Happy News a Year! <laughs> Hello and Happy New Year from Let's Rewatch, the uh, podcast, of course, where we like to watch old movies that we loved and see if they still hold up to a modern viewing audience. And so this time around, we're, we're being visited by Old Man 1989 for one of my favorite New Year's movies, Ghostbusters 2. And, and we'll set up what we're talking about with Ghostbusters 2 in just a moment. But of course, let's introduce our regulars. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. Am I in this? And that's Bryce. So this time we are talking about Ghostbusters 2. And I, I kind of want to set that up just a little bit because as you've you've heard us say before, you know, we we want this show to be about movies that have some debatability to them. You know, I never want to do a movie that's universally recognized as a great movie. And I think that even though we just did Star Wars. Well, <laughs> kind of. We did the prequels, so they're so bad they at least cancel out one of the really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> I think we rationalized that pretty well. And here's my rationalization for Ghostbusters too. I think that Ghostbusters is universally recognized as a great movie, and I would never touch it. But I've heard so much debate around Ghostbusters 2 that I think it brings it up as a candidate. Now, I personally love Ghostbusters 2. This is one of those movies that I grew up with. But I think there's a little bit of debate around it. So, you know, usually I have like a plot thing that I didn't like about a movie. But uh, the thing I remember most about Ghostbusters 2 is that it was on TV all the time. <laughs> And it was like really, really, really horribly telecined or whatever. Like the frame rate does not match up with what was on TV. So Weird. I'm curious to know if that was like a production thing or a TV thing. Is the DVD going to be horrible to watch because they messed up the frame rate? Who knows? That's funny you say that because I had a different but similar experience. Ghostbusters 2 was the first movie where I really comprehended what widescreen meant. Because I grew up with VHS and it was four by three TVs and everything was, you know, full screen four by three. And then I rented Ghostbusters 2 at one point and it was two, three, five to one aspect ratio. It was CinemaScope. Oh, wow. On a little four by three TV, <laughs> letterboxed. And I was pissed off. Yeah. Because they were wasting so much of the screen. Why are they putting these black bars mm -hmm. on the screen? And You and my father. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, later, I learned the reason and why this was one of the first movies where they really were a stickler about widescreen is because when you frame four heroes standing side by side in CinemaScope, oh. you cannot pan and scan that. I guess that's why a lot of Westerns are wide as well, because there's usually like a lot of people doing gunshots and like... Mm -hmm. And really wide landscapes. And, yeah. Yeah. That stand off. Exactly. So, Brett, you've seen the movie, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I have. I, I never saw it in the theater because I was one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the weirdo who has not seen it. I don't oh, think no, you're the you, only weirdo. Yeah, I have never seen it. Oh. I didn't even oh. know it existed, actually. <laughs> oh, really? I knew it existed, but... And I brought that up intentionally because, yeah, I knew Ash had not seen it. And yeah. I guess both of you hadn't seen it. Bryce, have you seen this? I have. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's weird to think, like, how much people love Ghostbusters. And then there's a second movie that some people just haven't seen is weird to me. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious to see if upon watching it, if I'll be like, oh, I have seen this and maybe I just forgot. Maybe. But like, I didn't realize that there was a second Ghostbusters. I feel like we'd had this conversation more than once too, where you brought it up and I was like, really, there's a second one? And so I, I'm not sure that I've ever seen it. It's possible that I haven't. I don't know. Well, I also think there's there've been many times where I'll make a Vigo the Carpathian joke or quote a Janusz Poha line and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm sure. Um, so now you get to enjoy the glory of Vigo and Janusz. So I'm just going to be sitting so here the whole time saying like, Nick, this movie is ripping you off. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All I really know about it is that there's a painting, but with the painting, it turns out that the guy who painted it 
was mine and Brett's instructor in college. Yeah, we know the guy. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I, there was yeah. an, an article that was on the web recently that got some popularity about that whole process of creating the pain effect effects for this. And that dude's yeah, fascinating. Well, that, it was that article, Lou Police. Yeah. yeah. Teaches down at uh, Laguna College of Art and Design, where we both went to school. So it's pretty cool. He's obviously super talented, and I'm really curious to see this painting. He, He's an awesome guy whose who's backstory is ridiculous, that he did so much art. He actually devel- developed an allergy to art materials. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely want to put a pin in that. Um, because I think we need to watch the movie and get like, okay, there's something about a painting here. Um, but let's talk about what he did, you know, after we've seen the, the, the painting in action. So let's set this up just a little bit. Of course, uh, Ghostbusters 2 was in 1989 and, of course, directed by Ivan Reitman, who directed the first movie. And Ivan Reitman, you may remember before Ghostbusters for movies like Stripes and Meatballs. Ooh, I love Stripes. Yeah. So he was he was very close to these people. You're, uh, you're Harold Ramis, you're Bill Murray. He was like the go-to guy for, for these people. My Bill Murray. Yes, you're Bill Murray. Um, after Ghostbusters, he kind of became the Schwarzenegger comedy guy. He directed Twins, K- Kindergarten Cop, and Junior. <gasps> Kindergarten Cop. Um, we have late- to watch that at some point. Yeah, I think that's already on the list. So he directed like th- the worst Arnold movies? <laughs> yeah, apparently. The funny Arnold movies. Aren't they all funny? Well, the, the ones that were meant to be funny. Um, and later he did uh, Six Days, Seven Nights, and Evolution. And I think Evolution is probably the movie that he did post-Ghostbusters that feels most like the Ghostbusters vibe. Is Evolution on our list? Because it should be. I think you've I think you put it on the list, yeah. This is a movie like the first one written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. So, you know, this is Dan Aykroyd's, for lack of a better word, his masterpiece. This is like what his life is all about, is is the Ghostbusters story. Because he comes from a family of, you know, psychics and parapsychologists and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, he's he's kind of a an interesting dude and even now he he talks a lot about, you know, alien abduction theories and stuff like that. He's really interested in stuff like this and he developed this idea for just this gigantic epic story about, you know, paranormal investigators and ultimately they they couldn't do it. The studio put them under a very tight schedule and somehow what came out of it is one of everybody's favorite movies it's funny that you mentioned that and i've kind of in my experience of researching how films get made it kind of seems like the films that are put on really short deadlines with really crazy like obstacles to overcome somehow end up being these like beautiful masterpieces well it forces the filmmakers to be um more creative right you know you you have i think problem solving yeah i think um creativity needs limitations and i think you know the the prequels of star wars are a good example of a filmmaker without limitations and you know it's the limitations that made the first one good right that's totally true and then like with jaws with the shark that Mm -hmm. only worked Mm -hmm. half the time but really its absence was what made it so scary definitely and this is purely conjecture, but I'd like to think that once Harold Ramis came on board, he added some structure to it and he added some grounding. I think that Aykroyd's probably a guy who needed to be grounded a little bit. I I think Harold Ramis brought that. (laughs) So, of course, we're not watching Ghostbusters, we're watching Ghostbusters 2, but it's still directed by the same dude. It's still written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Um, So, you know, in some ways it feels a lot like the first movie, and in some ways it feels like a weird turn in a different direction. And the other thing that I think is particularly interesting about the production of this movie is, you know, it was originally a, an idea that it would be Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi as the Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And John Belushi died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got Bill Murray to sort of step in and take on that role. Um and so when you see Slimer come along as one of the very first ghosts that they see, there's always been this kind of theory bubbling around, like, is Slimer the ghost of John Belushi? Which I think <laughs> is kind of a, a neat little idea. This is what your friends thought of you, John. <laughs> well, you know, the gluttonous party animal. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Take all the bad things. And 
know that ghost is pretty lovable if you think about it it's true and also he, he is like sort of you know more than anything else i feel like slimer is kind of the mascot of ghostbusters i think that's because yeah, you absolutely. grew up on the cartoons i mean in the movies he doesn't even i have don't a think name. i ever saw the cartoons really yeah i don't think, think so. i did either Weird. I, I didn't even really know there were cartoons and now i'm super intrigued the, i remember the cartoons oh i don't remember the quality of the cartoons but i remember them the the ghostbusters cartoons are fascinating because way 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 back uh universal studios had I think it was sort of like the Three Stooges where it was a series of short films or maybe it was a TV series called Ghostbusters, two words. And so when they made this movie, they had sort of a legal issue. Like you can't call your movie Ghostbusters. They eventually came to a deal, but then later they decided they wanted to make a cartoon based on Ghostbusters, the old Universal series. And they did. And it's kind of a cool cartoon. But it wasn't the Ghostbusters that everybody identifies as the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. So then they made another cartoon called The Real Ghostbusters. Ouch. Featuring the characters from these movies. And they both ran at the same time. (laughs) And they're both super cool for different reasons. Would the real Ghostbusters please stand up? (laughs) Did you just make an Eminem joke? Yep. (laughs) That that joke might be like 20 years too old at this point. We're talking about Ghostbusters. That joke is more relevant than Ghostbusters. Yeah, Bryce and I listened to that song recently because somebody did an amazing edit of it. Oh, yeah. Where they just like the the phrase mom spaghetti is just a ridiculous line in a (laughs) song. But so somebody did some editing magic to make it look like every other line in the song it was mom spaghetti. It was a song about mom spaghetti. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. YouTube it. Yeah, you probably searched for mom spaghetti. <laughs> so before we watch Ghostbusters, let's talk about what we think we're going to get out of it. And for myself, I I think I'm still going to like it. Um, I think. Uh, you know, there there's some things that I remember absolutely loving about this. You know, you know the the Ghostbusters themselves, who we really love, but then also you know our new characters are Yano, Sharp, Vigo, the Carpathian, who I love. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see those again. I I think I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be totally on board with this. Brett, what do you think? So what I'm expecting out of this movie is the the streams and the either crossing or not crossing of them uh but i i i've never seen anything but the tv edit of this movie and i feel like i'm missing some pieces because i think the tv edit wasn't so great oh no uh so i don't know what to expect i remember always being like oh it's ghostbusters it's on again and then like (laughs) changing the channel uh (laughs) Oh, it's not the original one. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, we need a Ghostbusters despecialize is what we need. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm hoping it'll be good because this is an edit I have never seen. Uh, but I can't say my hopes are too high. I can't imagine the TV edit being that different. I'm sure they would trim it for time, but there's not a lot here that couldn't be broadcast. I don't really know what to expect. I'm just assuming it's not going to be as good as the first one but still be watchable and that's kind of as far as my expectations go so and there's a painting in it Woo! <laughs> and probably the theme song i hope yeah i actually really dig the music in this we'll, we'll have some stuff to talk about with the music for sure um well uh my expectation is that there is a movie because i didn't know that there was a movie so now i have that expectation and that's about it that that I expect there to be a movie and this isn't an elaborate prank that you're pulling on me. Um, but yeah, I think I'll probably enjoy it, but I'm assuming it's not great considering I've never heard of it before. You will not be disappointed. There is in fact a movie. Is that your expectations as well, Bryce? No. What, what do you think is going to happen, Bryce? <sighs> well, I just remember, you know, there's this family and they move into a house and some weird things start happening. And there's the classic scene that I think this is what we all remember this movie for, where the TV comes on and there's that static and the girl walks up to it and puts her hand on it and says they're here. And I'm really wondering if that is going to hold up the same way that, you know, because I remember that being a great scene when it first came out. Okay. 
<laughs> so we're going to pause recording and watch the movie. You can check it out on it's on Amazon, it's on iTunes, it's 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 on all your your standard uh, online streaming services, and you could buy the DVDs or Blu-rays and whatnot. Um, but we're going to watch Ghostbusters two, and we'll come back and see if it holds up. Your love is lifting me higher than I've ever been lifted before. Your love is lifting me higher. Way to finish strong there, bro. Yeah, that was a strong ending. <laughs> We're such great singers. <laughs> so we just watched Ghostbusters 2, and I, I want to come right out of the gate by saying it was really funny. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, we were laughing a lot, especially in the beginning. Yeah, the uh, well, I think I wrote this line down. I think Ash might have written it down oh, yeah. to the ungrateful little yuppie larva. Yuppie larvas, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the movie. Like it was even funnier than I remembered. Hmm. Um, I kind of feel like Peter McNichol and Annie Potts both came out of nowhere and kind of stole this thing. Oh, yeah. The whole, uh, I am drippings with goo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the... Uh, That's hilarious. The, uh, the joyfulness is over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Sorrow, I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he was walking through the, like, the first scene where you meet him and he's walking through the uh, artist studio. He's like, no, no, this sucks. Just stop. <laughs> oh, every oh, everything you are doing is bad. I want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> or when he goes to Dana's apartment, he's like, And I, I think uh, Rick Moranis again just yeah. stole the show too. Like it, it just rekindled how much I love him. He's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the world needs more Rick Moranis. More Rick Moranis. Though he he left the filmmaking biz for noble reasons. He's yeah. got a yeah. mad respect. And it just makes you love him even more. Yeah. What, wait, wait, wait. Why did he leave? His wife died. And so uh, I think he had like two or three children. And so he decided, you know, you know, all right, I'm going to quit being a movie star and I'm going to raise my children. And uh, that's what he did. And um, it's pretty, a pretty noble cause. But I I believe he still continued doing radio, though, right? Like podcast radio kind of thing. I don't know what else he might be doing. There's a really interesting if you're interested in hearing more about this story, look up the Rick Moranis interview on the Nerdist. Chris Hardwick interviews him and he talks about it. I know he just had like a book or something that just came out, but mm. um he uh yeah, he he just decided, you know, if I if I was going to be a movie star, I wouldn't be able to see my children that often, so he decided that was more important to him. But but him in the Ghostbusters uniform with the earmuffs. So great. Adorable. So yeah. great. <laughs> Adorbs. It just makes you love him so much. It's funny, like I, I look at my notes and it's just full of just <laughs> hilarious little moments. Or or just his line of yeah. you wanna play the Mario's? <laughs> oh yeah. No, you, you wanna play Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> yeah. Which yep. it seems crazy to me to think that Peter Venkman has a Nintendo, but then later he had the the joystick controller for the Nintendo, yeah, controlling the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that was pretty great. My favorite line from the movie was, uh, 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 "We had part of a slinky, but I." <laughs> yes, I yeah. had that written down too, and that that just so perfectly sums up his character too, which is so great. Also, and I was waiting for the moment, but then Ash turned and asked some question. I was like, no, wait for this line. Because he's doing you mean the, the uh, obvious joke that I already knew was coming. Yeah. I, yeah. Because you kind of called it the, uh, the, emo like the motion test experiments that he was running. And they bring out the puppy. And Ash is like, oh, next we're going to kill the puppy. <laughs> yeah. But his line delivery is so great. He's like, just a scientist, like, okay, I want to see what happens when we take away the puppy. <laughs> I just, I love that line. The that that was the obviously like written as the joke, but I, the part before that was like funnier to me. The the they think they're here for for uh, marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like holy shit! Or <laughs> even that awesome little moment where Dana's talking about her past with Peter, 
and he just sort of scans her with yeah. this meter behind her back as she's telling the story. <laughs> so great. Yeah. But, you know, as, as many, like, brilliant comedic lines, for me, one of the best moments is when Peter's doing his interview TV show and the woman's telling the story. Oh, yeah. And he just spikes the camera. He looks straight <laughs> into the I, computer lens, like... I totally wrote that down, too. It was excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's then, brilliant right there. And I guess we all know that the world will be ending Yeah, February next 14th, year. Valentine's Day. Bummer. <laughs> but... <laughs> But also, like, so yeah, when he spikes the camera, but also when he puts his hand out for Janos to shake his hand. Oh, yes. <laughs> he just wipes it off. And the two. So great. He just gives it a little gentle squeeze. Yeah. And then he, like, wipes it off on his shirt. So good. So do you uh, think the beginning uh, scene, did anyone else get, like, the Steps of Odessa vibe from that yeah, you said scene. that, like, oh, are we going to get that? And I'm like, yeah, actually, we kind of are. Actually, I never we made are. the connection until you said it. Yeah, it was... Wait, the what? Steps of the, Odessa. So from uh, Battleship Potemkin, but then they redid the scene in The Untouchables. Yeah. Where the baby the carriage, carriage is going, going down, down the, the stairs. stairs. It's a very iconic film moment. Yeah, but the, this, yeah. Was, this was the... Uh, the very surreal, like, people see a baby rolling at them and they just honk. Yeah. Get out the way, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, it looks like that. Uh, that's the best pilot in the galaxy right there in that carriage. He really knew how to pilot that carriage. We're very, very much at a Star Wars headspace. I know. So one thing, so overall, I thought the comedy level definitely lived up to the first one. Yeah. But what didn't quite sit well with me was the ending. Yeah. Like the Statue of Liberty thing just, it, it's funny, like in a movie about ghosts and like magical stuff that can happen, I was just like, nope, that can't happen. <laughs> well, the thing that I thought was so unrealistic about it, too, was they're like, they're, you see them like coming up and they're like, oh, I can't wait till people see us get on shore. And I'm like, yeah, the reaction people would have would be like, oh, my fucking God, the Statue of Liberty. It would be like a Godzilla moment. It wouldn't be this yeah. moment where everyone's cheering them on. And then the other hilarious part is like after they're inside, we cut to an exterior and you just see the Statue of Liberty like face planted on the cement and I'm like you know that killed a few people when it like fell over <laughs> yeah. uh, especially New Year's Eve in New York yeah where everybody goes out in the street to like watch the ball drop and like celebrate and stuff it's just stepping on people like bugs. yeah exactly yeah you know I one issue I have with sequels sometimes is that they're they tend to be just a clone of the original movie and so I wonder if they're like, okay, we need a giant walking through the streets of New York. Oh, <laughs> you know, we need to yeah. play that note. Of they the definitely song. did that, where they there were a lot of like them trying to play yeah. the same threads. It, it's yeah, the sad, mayor has him arrested, like... but then decides he needs to get him out. You know, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say it's sad. Like the beginning of the movie started off so different and so funny and so good. And I think they just didn't really know how to end it. Yeah, I really agree with you, mm. Sam. The The first half of the movie I liked. And then there was just kind of a part, I think, right about when they got, you know, thrown in jail or whatever. Um, yeah. Was about when my interest started to really wane. But mm. um, the thing that bothered me more was Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray's relationship through the whole film. I mean... It's, talk about Star Wars where we were talking about how Han kind of like sexually harasses Leah through the whole film like Bill Murray just continues to sexually harass her and then I'm just left with like why is she going on a date with this guy and in the scene where they're going on the date she even says you were really bad for me and then she turns on a coin and contradicts herself and she's like oh, oh you're much bad. better than you, you give yourself credit for and it's like no she's even saying that this dude and her shouldn't be together why are they on a date so so tell me what is the difference between the way janosh behaves and the way peter behaves there's none that's that's pretty dark you know? yeah so like why <laughs> is it okay for peter to have behaved that way i yeah i don't know because of their sexy history there was yeah there's like no reason for them to like end up together in this movie it's it didn't like, make any sense. And and not to say that Bill Murray is like a hot dude, but like there's this idea of like, 
really hot guys can get away with stuff that would otherwise be really creepy. No offense, Bill Murray. (laughs) I love you, but you are not a hot dude. (laughs) (laughs) Which reminds me, it's funny when when they're committed to the insane asylum and we see the psychiatrist and Ash is like, that doctor looks like Bill Murray in three years. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because that's Brian Murray, Bill Murray's brother. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I did dig the little romance between... um, Oh yeah, Lewis and and um, that was uh, Annie awesome. Potts. I'm forgetting the yeah. character's name. So great, and but- it's bizarre. Like she wasn't that big of a deal in the first movie, but she was a much more fleshed out character and really funny in this movie. Yeah, well, didn't she yeah. kind of become like a fan favorite? Where Maybe. people kind of almost sort of like April O'Neil esque, where she became sort of this. This character, she was just a side character, but I feel like people kind of yeah. made her. She had her own, her own like close up thing when they when they were doing the initial like back in business montage. Yeah, like they went out of their way to give her that like, yes, we're back. And she was in that amazing commercial. Oh yeah, oh that I was just like that commercial was so great. Her and Rick Moranis yeah. in bed it was amazing. Yep. Who are we going to call? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so you're these people are surrounded by some of the most brilliant comedians of their time, like people from Saturday Night Live and Second City. And I wonder, you've got a guy like Peter McNichol and you've got Annie Potts who are not really comedians, but are they just really funny and we didn't know or working with these people did they get funny well did somebody write really great stuff for them yeah i mean you have dan Aykroyd as one of the writers of the film and i mean he's yeah they're both funny guys so you know i think she's a phenomenal actress that delivered some really well-written lines and i think she did a lot to probably flesh out that character but um Maybe they just were really generous and wrote great stuff for for those actors. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But still, you've got to give it to Peter McNichol. Like, even though he may have had funny stuff written for him, his delivery is brilliant. You know, where Vigo is like, you know, it will be a new era of evil. And he's like, evil? Like, just that little line (laughs) delivery. It's just like, "Mm." Yeah, he was great. It's like, you you have already said this to me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's the sorrow. I've heard this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He was pretty great. What else has he done? um, He was big in Ally McBeal. And I'm drawing Mm -hmm. a blank, but he's like, he pops up on a lot of stuff. And he's generally good. But I never think of him as being really funny. Or the the great line, where did you come from? The Upper West Side? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is which came first, Short Circuit or Ghostbusters Two? Because oh, that joke know. was in Short Circuit. Oh, too. was it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, where are you from? Hey, Bakersfield, originally. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. I think that's a joke we've seen many times. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I I love like you know movies with great cameos out of nowhere, but this movie had what was it? Three amazing cameos oh, in yeah. a span of fifteen seconds. It was like Cheech. You know, when the Titanic yeah. rolls yeah. in, then we cut to this room where we see Philip Baker Hall and Ben Stein. Yeah. And it's like, what just happened? And they all have like one line each. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and they never come back yeah, again. Yeah, I was like, why is why is Ben Stein here all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah. Like before anybody was in love with Ben Stein. Oh, I, w- I want to talk about, uh, there was that really great camera move. That you were like, that was oh, an amazing yeah. shot. And I was like, yeah, it's after Sigourney Weaver's baby's taken and she climbs back in the window and there's this great tracking shot where the camera is like walking backwards. The cameraman's walking backwards with her following Sigourney and you just see this like great panic yeah. where she's just panicking. It was, I think it was steady cam, but it was intentionally a little rough because mm-hmm. they were all just losing their shit in that moment. Well, I don't think Steadicam technology was very smooth back then well, anyway. Yeah, maybe it was unintentionally <laughs> rough. But yeah, it, the way it like followed the three of them out of the room, she's going crazy, but also the other two, you know, have real choreography that they have to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, it's yeah, like, it was a great I didn't shot. expect that shot to be there. It's really great. I like how she told them to call the police and nobody did. That's true. <laughs> She's like, my baby is walking and he can't even technically walk now. 
and he's going to jump off the edge of the building, call the police, <laughs> and they don't. Well, I was thinking of that when she shouted, call 911, and I'm like, and tell them what? <laughs> well, you can tell them the I baby's on the, the ledge of the building. But in that moment, yeah. she's like yelling that inside, and they don't even know what's happening. Oh. It's like, call 911. Why? <laughs> what's happening? So, uh, so that with that scene, that the end of that felt like they they couldn't figure out how to write it because the uh, he was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get you this baby, and then like they then they were like, wait, no, we actually can't go get the baby. What are we gonna do? And then just like you know, fucking the eagles descend and pick up the baby. You know, like the like <laughs> yeah. creepy Mary Poppins ghost thing. See, yeah, so yeah. he gets to just be a ghost for a few minutes. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I did find it hilarious, though, because him dressed in this, like, nanny <laughs> outfit was pretty funny. I don't think that scene really worked. I don't think it worked either, but I thought it was ridiculous. hilarious. Yeah. You know what scene did work that was pretty great was when um, Bill Murray's on the date and the three of them go into the tunnels and they're trying to look for, like, the source of the slime and all the like severed ghost heads. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. That was like it wasn't scary, but it was more like horror film esque than any other part of Ghostbusters and it worked remarkably well and I thought that was really interesting. That was good. And and if yeah. you think of Vigo as basically Dracula, you know, this ruler in the 14th century mm. of a Eastern European and he slaughtered people and put their heads on pikes and it's like okay, that really feels like you know, a Dracula character. Yeah, and he kind of has that look too. Yeah. yeah. So was that the painting, Sam, that he painted? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That my my teacher from college painted well, that. Okay, so he didn't paint that one. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, so if it, the art the article was that they wanted, deal. yeah, it was like really he he did like the concept art for it, and then they were almost going to use his painting, but they couldn't make the thing work correctly where he like stepped out of the painting and then they ended up not having that in the movie at the end anyway but there's a there's this artist who did an exhibit of living paintings where you would walk into a physical space i don't know if it was a museum or what and you'd see this beautiful painting and as you walk around it it would just strike you that these are actually people in an, an exhibition and it's not actually a painting and oh. it knocks you on your ass because it's actually real people and so they hired this dude to create a visual effect and i guess he worked with your teacher to actually create the artwork that ivan yeah. reitman approved and so he the plan was to construct this device you know where where the actor would be and eventually step out of it so I think your teacher created the artwork that was going to become the visual effect that they later decide just they didn't have the time or the money to actually put it in the movie. Huh. Yeah, like and he 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 originally painted like like his painting was how they got the pose for the actual painting that was actually a photo of the guy yeah. that they had like touched up to look like it was a painting oh wow but uh so yeah it's very very complicated convoluted pro process how that actually all got finished yeah i was but. gonna say it look it, painting wise it looked so like similar like so photorealistic to to him i mean yeah it looked like a painting it but because it was a photo it was <laughs> well, yes i don't know what we saw in the movie i think might have been a painting based on I actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was a photo or a painting. I have no idea. But it looked kind of like a, a clay, to be honest. Yeah, it looked like kind of like a photo that they had like painted on to make it look like a painting. Yeah, Maybe. yeah, because yeah, it definitely like you saw the actor who, who, by the way, in my research this morning, fucking melted my brain. Wilhelm Wilhelm von Homburg. He was also <laughs> one of the terrorists in Die Hard. <gasps> really? Yeah. Uh, he didn't even speak. But yeah, he was one of those goons. Wow. Yeah. They so, didn't have him speak. Wasted opportunity. Yeah. Vigo the Carpathian was in Die Hard. Was that after <laughs> this movie, right? Yeah. No, Die Hard would have been a little B bit before Before? This. Oh, yeah. okay. So, does it bug anybody else that the the sign that they hang in front of the fire station has the ghost holding up two fingers? Oh, I didn't because even it's the that. second movie. Oh. But in really, I like in the story of the movie. Like, what is this? Like, 
they're not living the second movie of their <laughs> lives. Like, why is this ghost holding up two fingers? I think because it's their second business. And because if you noticed on all of their, like, uniforms, it had the ghost holding up the two fingers. Oh, interesting. I took it as, like, go. Mm. it's not... Ghostbusters was the first business. Now they're reopened <laughs> it's and Ghostbusters, it's Ghostbusters Let's rebrand yeah. ourselves. It's just weird when they do something that's clearly talking to the audience <laughs> and not, you know, what would happen in their actual world. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. the Statue of Liberty. I want to drive the Statue of Liberty with a Nintendo controller. Shouldn't they have picked a French song to play her? Speaking (laughs) of the songs, though, uh, I'm really glad that the the soundtrack of a movie with like songs with lyrics it kind of went away because that was really distracting for me. Yeah, I know you commented on the music, and I was not a fan of the music. Yeah. Except yeah. for the keep on lifting me higher. I love that song. Exactly. But. Like before we watched the movie, I was excited about the music. I'm like, this mu- movie has some awesome music. And boy, I was wrong because I was clearly <laughs> remembering the Jackie Wilson song and nothing else. Yeah. Like, yeah. That- because, like, why did they need to remix it yeah. into like a terrible rap? Yeah, that was not good. And so there were like three different rap songs in the credits. It's like they got a bunch of rappers, like, write a rap about. The Ghostbusters. They're like, you know, it's the 80s. And it's Let's, uh, weird. Yeah. Let's put some hip-hop rap in here. Yeah. Oh, the kids like uh, the rap music now. Yeah. It's always so weird. Like, okay, so you just wrote a rap about the Ghostbusters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a thing for a little while. Like, every movie had to have... Yeah, I do remember that. ...the rap song yeah. for yeah. the movie. So they didn't to- need to have three. <laughs> like, one was enough. I have to wonder about the timeline. Like, does Bobby Brown r- go into the studio, write a song about the Ghostbusters, then go home, do cocaine, and punch Whitney Houston? Oh, no. Is that how that happens? Oh. Oh. Hey. Never forget. <laughs> hey, Whitney, let's play Ghost and Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm going to bust you up. Uh, did you? S- I didn't see what song it I didn't see what song it was. Uh, <laughs> you gonna go again? You gonna sneeze again? No? I don't know. Okay. How are you doing right. with that sneeze situation? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so as the credits were rolling, I missed the song title. But uh, what did Danny Elfman do <gasps> in this? Danny Elfman did something. Really? Yeah, he had he had, he a, had a song credit. Wow! I, I need to look that up. Did not know him. Him. Him and Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. What was nice. it? His name or was it Oingo Boingo? It was. It was Danny Elfman's song produced by Oingo Boingo. Oh. Wow. Yeah, it'd probably take me too long to actually find Hold something. Hold on, Googling. But that, that was uh, interesting. You know, the actual I don't know. You know, score music of the original Ghostbusters movie is not really Danny Elfman, but kind of Danny Elfman flavor. Oh, hmm. yeah. I would like the flavor like of Danny the, Elfman, please. Is Has he just been the default for so many fucking years of like, hey, this movie has weird stuff. Let's get Danny Elfman to score. I think so. That's so sad. Why you don't like Danny Elfman? I no longer like Danny Elfman. Oh. Because he keeps showing up and the music keeps being the same. And I don't want every movie to be a Danny Elfman movie. Yeah. So I, I think we're all pretty pleased with the comedy of this movie. But does it work as a story? And and it's always been weird to me that Ghostbusters even exists. Like you you come out of the gate saying, I want to make a a comedy about ghosts. You know, it's mm-hmm. a horror comedy, which, you know, I guess now we have Evil Dead, but at the time it's just such a gonzo idea. I, I kinda like the the concept, like the you know, the original pitch is like, you know, there's like ghost movies and horror movies, but no one ever no one ever tries to defeat ghosts with science and (laughs) yeah that's kind of fun and and i think ash was talking a lot during the movie about the techno babble that's just off the charts yeah and hilarious you know it's like that goofy star trek techno babble but done in a funny way yeah and egon is just such an incredible character when he just starts you know short chain molecules and shit (laughs) like that is that the is whatever the whatever of cobalt (laughs) oh yeah is the atomic weight of cobalt (laughs) yeah you're 50.9 yeah yeah that was great but it's funny because i mean of course they're different but upon watching this it kept making me think about like how weird breakup ninja is 
which is our silly yeah, sketch thing we do. It's such a weird concept, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Ghostbusters and Breakup Ninja where it's like Ghostbusters, you call these guys to go, you know, to bust a ghost and Breakup Ninja is you call this ninja to break up for you. And it's kind of this weird zany like, okay, let's be honest. In reality, this wouldn't happen. But in this weird universe. Okay. I want to give you a little shit for like plugging your thing, but what? you're right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm it's not trying to plug to it. Try to describe. It's so odd. Yeah, yeah. and I can't who, imagine. Who was it that was making that comment recently about Ghostbusters being the most capitalist mov- uh, movie? I wasn't in that. Oh, it was an SMBC comic. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah the it was really Saturday morning movie. breakfast cereal is the best. Uh, they're like... The, uh, Ghostbusters is the most capitalist capitalist movie that's ever been uh, in existence because people finally get uh, undeniable proof that there's an afterlife and they would just fucking start a business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and so it's like starting a business based around shit that uh, you know really should have actually been handled another way, and that's that's uh, I suppose that's Breakup Ninja too. <laughs> so then, with a weird concept like this. Does Ghostbusters exist if Stripes hadn't happened? That's a good question. And I was going to say Bill Murray's character in Stripes and in this is very similar, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the only reason a movie like this gets made is because everybody loves these actors from Caddyshack and Stripes and Saturday Night Live and SCTV. And the studio is like, oh, we can put these actors in a movie. You want to do a movie about ghosts? Okay, are you going to put Bill Murray in it? Are you going to put Harold Ramis in it? All right. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, maybe they were given more creative freedom because of yeah. who they are. Yeah. Because of the because of the time. It just that was the time when they were all the right people, I Which guess. Which is kind yeah. of Bill Murray's origin story. Yeah. It's like now he's the guy who can do anything he feels like doing. And he does do anything he wants. Yeah. Including a ridiculous Netflix Christmas special. Yeah, I need to check I want to watch that. Yeah. I, I want to watch it too, actually. <laughs> of course you do. It's going to be amazing. But yeah, so I guess the question was, uh, it's funny, but is it a good movie? Uh, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> uh, I actually... Uh, my prediction for for me for, for once was super accurate. <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, I, there was a lot of like really great bits and like one-liners, and they didn't need the movie to be funny. Uh, and then it just kind of fell apart and was kind of a crappy movie at the end. The it, although I do love that the uh, the whole basis of it was kind of like, hey, everyone in New York is kind of an asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of beautiful, uh, and it's a note that they played in one of the Spider-Man movies. Actually, two of the Spider-Man movies, like where New York kind of stopped being an asshole for a minute to help Spider-Man. I also, oh yeah, it was a, that was a good moment. It was basically the major plot point in Elf. Everybody's gotta believe in the Christmas oh, spirit yeah. to save him. Mm. That's right. But yeah, which, which kind of made me think, like, was Ghostbusters two intended to be a Christmas movie, and then like something went wonky with the release date, and they changed it to New Year? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It was it was kind of funny watching this because I'd set it up as like this is one of my favorite New Year's movies, and the whole time we're like, does this even happen on New Year's? I know I was like, why did you want to do this on New Year's? And then at the end they're like, oh, it's New Year's. So I was like, oh, I within the guess. last three minutes yeah, of the movie, like, suddenly what? people are wearing pointy hats. I, I really wish they would have brought back that character from the beginning from the World of Psychics show or whatever. Oh, who called oh. it? End of the World is New Year's. Yeah. He's yeah. so close. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what was, what else was competing with the release of this that that they maybe released it at a non-Christmas time or something? I'm not sure when the release was. Anyway, so yeah, to finish off my little thing about it was uh, I thought it started off really strong and weirdly for a movie that i i think i didn't like so much as a whole i was laughing the entire time like it was it was an enjoyable experience but the movie itself like the plot and the story i was kind of over by like the point where ash got tired of it like like the setup was cool and then they didn't they didn't fulfill on that like the promise of how good it could have been at the end yeah yeah 
I kind of I agree with Brett. The way I look at it is I think the comedy and the acting is brilliant and that's what really carries the movie but the storytelling definitely falls flat so i think overall does not live up to the first one but it's i might watch it again if you know you know i want something funny in the background yeah i totally i agree with you guys i i i enjoyed it i I, well i will say though because i went into this with zero expectation it was better than i expected so that that is for sure because like two better than zero yeah i i wasn't expecting much (laughs) but i still had an enjoyable time and it was way funnier than i expected but yeah it just kind of i don't know it just felt long like it just felt like maybe if they had gotten to the end sooner it would have helped i'm not sure I didn't need the whole like them locked in the psychiatric ward part like that. Yeah, that that was just when it got boring. You know what? I I was thinking about that part of the movie. And I think the reason why it gets boring is because the conflict, like the major problem that they're supposed to solve doesn't feel like a major problem. Yeah. Like, they never feel like they're in mortal danger. You know, they're locked in the psychiatric ward. There's no like plot of them trying to get out it's just like resolved for them there apparently wasn't even a ticking clock because they could just take that detour (laughs) yeah it's it felt like it was meant to mirror the structure of the first movie where they arrested the ghostbusters yeah it was a little too similar but it works so much better the first time around yeah 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 i i think you guys make a really good point you know a movie can be really funny, but still not have a great story, not be a great movie in general. You know, I, I kind of want to point out that, you know, without that, then nobody would like Mike Myers. I mean, w- when have you ever <laughs> seen a Mike Myers movie that had a story yeah. you gave a shit about? <laughs> but it's well, really Austin fun. Powers. Yeah, I would say Austin Powers, but it's yeah. been a really long time. <laughs> yeah, since I feel I've like seen that's so. you found the exception. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, it's not a strong okay. story, but. Okay. Back up, back up. Shrek has a pretty oh, phenomenal that's true. story. That's true. But that's animated, so I guess... Yeah, it's hard to think of that as a Mike Myers movie. I always feel like he was the substitute. That's true. So yeah, I, I feel like... I think you guys are right. I think I still like it more than you do. But yeah, the, the story's pretty weak. But I think as... If I came into this movie thinking it's going to be funny and it's got a good story. I came out of the movie feeling like, yes, the story was not as good as I expected, but the comedy was way better than I remembered. Yeah. Cause the comedy was on point. Was like fantastic. every joke landed. It's, it's so glorious watching people in their, like in their prime doing the thing that they do best. And this is the flashpoint of, of those people. And, and actually I'm, this brings me to, and I'm surprised we didn't mention it before, but I, Let's talk for a moment about the new Ghostbusters movie on the horizon, which I think is, you know, whether you're excited about a remake or not, you're looking at four actors who are on the prime of their comedic career. And I think they're absolutely absolutely going to crush it. Yeah. So I'm. They're. They're hilarious, and when they get together, they seem to get funnier than each individual on their own, which I think is part of what made the original so lovely, and I think that's what's going to make, hopefully, the remake really lovely as well. So, Bryce, what did you think? It was pretty good. It was all right. I mean, we've watched worse movies. (laughs) (laughs) That actually reminds me of the line when Venkman's taking pictures of the painting. I've worked with better. (laughs) but not many. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's a great line. So yeah, that's how we feel about Ghostbusters 2. We've uh, we've seen better. We've seen worse, but I I had a good time. Uh, and that it puts me in a nude in in the mood. It doesn't put me in the nude. It puts me in a mood. <laughs> in the nude and yeah. in the mood. Puts me in a mood to get nude go for, some for the new years. and have a good time. Yeah, I feel like we should have a little champagne and and celebrate a, a fantastic year and our first year of our podcast. And yeah, champagne and gack or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little ectoplasm. There's yeah. always ectoplasm dripping off of things after my New Year's parties. Uh, <laughs> it's drippings with goo. <laughs> so so I know I said that I'd hang out with you on New Year's, but I suddenly remember that I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're ready for another great year of, you know, 
watching these movies that may or may not be great slash <laughs> or horrible. Um, so yeah, we, we would love to hear your suggestions of the movies that we should be watching in the new year. We've, we've already got some good stuff lined up, some stuff we don't want to talk about yet, but definitely some good things coming up very soon. Um, and you know, we're building a list, but we want to hear what everybody else has to say about we're movies we should be watching in the new year's. Checking it twice. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget. This is part of the last stash TV, uh, network of awesome content. Uh, there's plenty of other things that we do as well. Check them out. Uh, the hunger names, the, uh, our, our drinking show, let's drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Breakup Ninja, awesome. I guess. Which I, Break Breakup Ninja oh, will happen someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can you can well, watch the 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 parody commercials we've made. I do. I will say for all of you podcast listeners out there that uh, we do have a very exciting guest coming up on Let's Drink. We have Travis and Andy from Bunker Buddies, and um, so if you're a Bunker Buddies fan. Please check out that episode, which will be coming out in uh, January sometime. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a date because... <laughs> I- I'm excited to January. see that because I was there, but I was making drinks. So I've just heard bits of it through the door. <laughs> so I want to see the show. It'll be pretty good. To see that show and more, you can see us Laughstash TV on YouTube, and we're Laughstash TV on there, and we're also Laughstash TV on Twitter. So make sure you follow us there. And as Nick said, if you want to send us suggestions for movies that we should watch, or you just want to give us feedback, tell us how wrong we are, you can do that on Twitter as well at Let's Rewatch. And I just want to thank all the people who have been tweeting at us, like Kelly Perfers, Anatoly, Emily L. Tipton, L.K. Scott, and Bob Barnett. So thank you for tweeting at us. That was painful and beautiful all at the same time. (laughs) Um, Actually, L.K. Scott is one of our good friends. He's a fantastic horror writer. So check him out if you like horror novels. Yeah, so it's uh, what at at let's rewatch. There's our personal minds uh, at bread underscore eagles. That's the food and the bird. Uh, Sam's on Twitter sometimes. Follow her. Uh, tweet at her. Convince her to use it. It's your- not that I refuse to use it. It's that my brain doesn't understand it. <laughs> Sam does not understand <laughs> Twitter. Explain it to yeah. her. Yeah, please. You can try, but I, I seriously, I'm like an 80 year old woman who's just like. <laughs> Gone, found it. I don't understand. Sam L. Wilson w- with two L's. <laughs> I guess a total uh, of three. The Wilson part. The Wilson part. There's has three two total. L's. Yeah. If you liked what you heard, please go ahead and review us on iTunes, and make sure you subscribe to us on either iTunes or Lipson. Yeah, we have like yeah. nine iTunes reviews. So thanks, guys. All nine of you. Yeah, we, we read and discuss and enjoy all of the reviews. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so that does it for Let's Rewatch for 2015. Happy New Year. We'll see you again in 2016. Yeah, and when we return, we'll be watching Cinderella 2000. What? That's a thing? <laughs> <laughs>